Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the Internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. My name is Scott Fullerton, and I'm your host. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm coming at you today with voice fading and a little bit of background noise from beautiful downtown Panera in Northeast Ohio. Uh, it is Monday, February 25th, 2019. Uh, yes, we have the windstorm of 2019 this weekend. Uh, 60 and 75 miles an hour winds yesterday knocked out our internet, our TV, the whole nine yards. So everything is out. And I am having to do the show live from Panera today. So thanks so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. We're so glad to have you. I hope you guys had an amazing Oscar weekend. In just a few minutes, we're going to be talking to my first guest, Tommy Garassi, who is actually in L.A. this weekend to be part of the fun. And then coming up on our second hour, our buddy Greg Scarnici will be returning to the show to talk about his new book, Dungeons and Drag Queens. So anyway, I hope you guys are having a fantastic weekend, uh, getting ready to get ahead on the week this today. I am, like I said, a little under the gun with no power at home or uh, cable or internet or any of that fun stuff, but we will make it through right here from Panera, Ohio. Uh, I had a very busy weekend. I was planning the big gay road trip coming up in June. Um, I found out that it's going to be restaurant week in Palm Springs my first week in town. So, you know, for a foodie like me, that'll be very exciting. The guests are starting to confirm, and I have some really exciting announcements to tell you about as I'm able to tell them. I have guests traveling in from LA and from around the world, including Canada for sure, and maybe London, England coming in. So you're not going to want to miss out on the big gay road trip happening every Monday and Tuesday in June from the Indulge Resort in Palm Springs, California. I'm going to have my media partner, Pink Banana Media, with me. Of course, we have uh, CBT Candle in L.A. as a sponsor, and we're looking for more sponsors now, so you can reach out to me. Go to www.leftofstraight.com. That's www.leftofstr and the number 8.com. Go to the sponsor page. You can contact about how you can sponsor be part of the big gay road trip, uh, get interviewed on the radio, be uh, tagged in all of our promotions for the month before and while we're there and on our way back. And we can use you uh, for a little bit of help this year. So I appreciate that. Um, as far as this week's, this weekend's Oscars last night, we're going to talk about them all in just a couple of minutes with our first guest, Tommy. But, uh, Like I said, uh, my power went out last night. Thank goodness I was able to get through most of the awards, but my power went out uh, almost at the end of Rami Malek's acceptance for Best Actor. I did get to hear the first part of his speech where he did a great shout-out to the LGBT community and asking for more inclusive uh, picks like this. So that was a great job on him. Um, So I got to see most of the Oscars. I missed... uh, 
best actress, best director, and best picture. So we'll talk about that with Tommy in just a few minutes. Um, because we're combining content, if you subscribe to the Left of Straight show, uh, as you know, we're starting to shows right here on Left of Radio. So we just finished an hour of great talk radio with my buddy Craig Hurley, where we do standing on our soapbox every day from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern time. We talk pop culture, current events, and news of the day where you can call in and talk to us about what's going on in your mind. Stand on my soapbox with me. And so now we have my Left of Straight show. If you want to follow any of the shows individually, you can go to your favorite podcast distributors like iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can find all of them on the website as well, the leftofstraight.com website. Follow our social media there, of course, on Instagram, at Left of Straight. And Left of Straight everywhere is always spelled out, L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight. You can follow us on Facebook on the Left of Straight show page and Left of Straight radio page. Follow me personally at Scott Fullerton. Uh, just send me a friend request. I'd love to have you on board as a friend. That would be fantastic. So, yeah, we got that out of the way. Let's see what's happening in the news this weekend that I might want to talk about for a bit. Um, very um, happy that actor Ryan Sampson came out this weekend. He's the 33-year-old star of the British sitcom Plebes. He's also been on great shows like uh, Oh Doctor Who and a couple other great things out of England there. But he took the social media this weekend to shut down a couple of homophobes that were coming out on him and his Instagram DMs. So in a post on Twitter, the actor noted that he received messages from an Instagram user wanting to engage him in homophobic banter. But Samson refused to take the bait, posting a picture of himself with his boyfriend instead, the first public admission by Samson that he's gay. So congratulations to him for coming out. That's always great when we have openly gay people coming out that have a good following. He has quite a few thousand followers on Instagram and Twitter. Um, the more visibility, the better, guys. So congratulations to actor Ryan Sampson for coming out. A little bit of controversy over the weekend, and I'm not personally really happy about it. I'd love to know what your thoughts are, but um, there's been a little blowback. There was a... Um, 43-year-old news personality on KTLA uh, TV in Los Angeles. His name was Chris Burroughs. Very popular out there. A lot of my friends knew him. And it was, uh, he had passed away a couple weeks ago. Um, Very sad passing. A lot of my friends on social media had talked about it. Well, the Los Angeles coroner's office over the weekend released his official cause of death and it kind of was demeaning. Um, he's a married man with a daughter, and they talked about how he died while on a hookup with a male from the Grinder app. And it's pretty um, salacious details. I'm not going to go to it on here, but they're getting a lot of blowback for announcing it. And I rightly, I think they should. I think it was uh, pretty sad, um, especially you have this beloved anchor on a local news. A lot of us uh, tend to follow our local news people, treat them like family because we see them every night in our local news. Um, it was a pretty scandalous way to bring about his cause of death. A lot of it did not need to be shared with the public. 
they could have just said it was from X, whatever the cause was, it happened to be by an overdose. But the, the salacious details were, um, I think, very necessary. So I was unhappy to see that happen. What else is going on? Of course, this week on Thursday, we're premiering season 11 of RuPaul's Drag Race happening this Thursday on BH1 at uh, 9 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock Central. Um, talked about it before. Uh, drag queen superstar Nina West from Columbus, Ohio is competing on it. It was one of the worst kept secrets here in the uh, Ohio area that she was on the show, but none of us know how she did on it or how far she lasted. But Nina West is just an amazing uh, drag performer. She's given over a million dollars to charities through her Nina West Foundation. So I'm going to be rooting for her big time starting this Thursday uh, as she appears on Drag Race. So big shout out to Nina West as she comes on for that. That's pretty exciting. What else is happening in the news as I lose my voice here? Um, There's been another case of homophobia on refusing to serve LGBT, Benjamin Hostetter. He's the owner of Media Mansion, a Denver-based videographer who shoots weddings and other events. Recently refused to record a lesbian couple's wedding, citing his religious beliefs. Um, When Anna Suhida, I'm sorry if I pronounced the name wrong, and Amanda Broadway decided to wed, they reached out to Media Mansion to capture their day on video. Uh, when they told Hostetter over the phone that the name of her fiance was Amanda, he later responded with an email that read, unfortunately at this time, we are not serving the LGBTQ community based on religious beliefs. So just another example of what we have going on as far as that realm right now. So, so much of stuff is happening right now. Uh, we need to kind of keep this in our mind as we go through everything. So, but let's get ready to get to it here in just a couple of minutes. I'm so excited we're bringing on Tommy Grassi direct from Hollywood in just a couple of minutes. We're going to take a quick break here. I'm going to try to get my voice back and try to uh, get us going here. You're going to take a quick break with a little song from Stephen Davis. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on Blog Talk Radio. I have often walked down this street before But the pavement always stayed beneath my feet before All at once am I several stories high Knowing I'm on the street where you live Are there lilac trees in the heart of town? Can you hear a lark in any other part of town? Does enchantment pour out of every door? No, it's just on the street where you live. And oh, the towering feeling Just to know somehow you are near The old 
that any second you may suddenly appear. People stop and stare, they don't bother me. For there's nowhere else on earth that I would rather be. Let the time go by, I won't care if I can be here on the street where you live. Thank you for having me on this busy week. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time. Oscar weekend is busy, busy for you. You've gone out there a couple times now, right? Yeah, I think I've been coming out here for the past seven or eight years. Goodness gracious, that is awesome. Well, we're going to talk all about it because it was such a great show, I thought, last year. So that was kind of fun. I told you off air, it's kind of funny that um, I told all, the, all our listeners I'm doing from Panera because I have power out at my house. Actually, the power's back, but I still have internet and cable out. And this is where you and I first talked the last time we did your interview. So it's kind of a full circle moment here for me. It's my place, apparently. <laughs> there it's you go. It's, it's the fate of being in a period of time to time. So, 
So how is everything in beautiful downtown Southern California today? Uh, where are you calling in from? I'm actually in Culver City because I had some meetings in Culver at the Culver Hotel. And it's about 70 degrees here, which is cool, better than it was in New York when I left, and it was 45. <laughs> there you go. We have a high of 27 today in Northeast Ohio, so I'm just a little bitter jealous. Oh, but that's no. Cool. I can deal. I'll send you some of this. <laughs> I'll send you some sun. I'll send you some warmth. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Well, I can't wait to dig in all things Oscar here because it was such a big night last night. Um, how's yeah. your weekend been going? I mean, you've been doing everything from the gifting suite at the W Hotel with uh, Celebrity Connected. You had a big watch party last night. Start from the very beginning. Um, you've okay, well, been going to the Oscars for how long now? It's been about seven years between Entertainment Tonight, Access Hollywood, Vanity Fair, and now doing it pretty much on my own where we do our own parties and we just we find a place, a square place, and we do it there. That's amazing. And talk about your work with Celebrity Connected. Um, tell them what a gifting suite is. I have quite a few friends that are lucky enough to go to those every year. And then I want you to talk about the location, the historic Biltmore Hotel. I've been there for many an event, but uh, talk about that event. Well, the Biltmore Hotel is one of the places where the Oscars first started. And I believe they had six or six to eight of them there originally. And also the rumor is, or the story is, that the idea for the Oscars came about over at the Biltmore. And then the guy who actually designed the Oscar statue itself, apparently he was having lunch there or having drinks there, and he drew the sketch on a napkin at the Biltmore for the actual trophy. That is awesome. I love stories like that. The Biltmore is so iconic. I think it was built back in like May 27 or something like that. So it's been around for a while. Or 25. Yeah. I think 1923, actually. I think it's been there forever. But the building itself is in such good condition. That's the thing that amazes me all the time. And they've done so many movies and TV shows there. Like, they did Scandal in there. They did Ghostbusters in there. Uh, They've done... Who else was in there? Yeah, Scandal was in there with Olivia Pope. There was a scene where she was coming into a hotel, and it was that lobby. Ghostbusters, they crashed the actual glass. Yeah. So there's been a lot of things that go on in there, which is kind of cool. Very and cool. Let everyone know what a gifting suite is. Who's this for and what oh, happens yeah. there? Most times at a gifting suite, it's, um, there's brands that will come and they will give celebrities gifts give of their product and the hopes of generating a little bit of attention to themselves and doing a little PR by the celebrity posting a photo of them with the product, maybe even giving a little review or a shout out. So when I go, I normally try to concentrate on the actual brands themselves and on the actual vendors themselves to try to highlight them. Because there's some really innovative and interesting things that are given away in there. And so I want to make sure that everybody knows about them. Um, So each year I usually highlight everything on my Instagram page. And for the next couple of days, probably next two weeks, I'll post one product a day that I really enjoyed from the suite. That's amazing. And you get to take some of the swag back with you? Oh, yeah. Usually you take all of it. They give it to you to take home and uh, it goes anywhere from cosmetics to makeup to jewelry. I got this really cool ring. Uh, it's a dragon ring. So I'm going to post that soon because I like her, uh, the artist itself. I don't have her name with me, but I'll post it on my Instagram. So if I go and look, she's from Australia. So she's a very interesting oh, very designer. Cool. I can't wait to see all of them. I do remember seeing a little bit or mm-hmm. something. I'm a huge wine guy, and there was some wine with a dog involved or something. And I, I would be excited. That would be fun stuff. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, well, that's also uh, Pearson Brothers Winery. They've sponsored some projects that I've been involved with, and they make a very um, sweet, but and on the light side of sweet, a honey wine. It's made out of honey instead of made, being made out of grapes. That's a really good wine. Right, if anybody right. wants to check them out. Very cool. Now, did you ever get to the actual venue? Do you go to the Kodak Theater at all while you're there just to kind of check it out? Uh, yeah, we went by it. Um, yeah, we usually I go by that usually on Saturday, like when they're doing the rehearsals and things, because the day of it's kind of hard to get. It once you get in there, it's hard to get out of there because of the way the traffic is. So if you're not actually going to an event in the hotel, you're better off steering clear of it. Right, and it is right there in downtown Hollywood. I mean, you can't. It's uh, it's traffic central, real close to all <laughs> oh, the main thoroughfares. <laughs> yeah, yes. on a non-Oscar day, it's 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 a mess. But on Oscar day, I couldn't even imagine being there again. That would be crazy. Oh yeah, it's impossible to get here. Let's get into it. Let's start off with the red carpet. I think the fashion was amazing this year. Everyone is talking about Billy Porter just stealing the show. Yes. Um, what I stood out it. to you and what was the buzz about while you were at your uh, viewing party? Well, I noticed there was a few guys that were wearing skirts or skirt-like outfits, and I thought that was a, a good statement to make, actually, because the women have been so put on about what they're going to wear, and it's so critical of what they're wearing, and they have to pick out this perfect thing, and the guys always show up in tuxedos. So if they're going to open up that whole world to where men can now come in skirts or come in dresses or come in flowy gowns. I think that's going to make the playing field a little more equal and take the pressure off the women. I think so too. And I thought it was very, it was gorgeous. I mean, like I said, just stick with Billy for a second. The, the top part was all mm-hmm. tuxedo, bottom part, all gown. It was just an amazing yeah. type of, and I think it shows up everything I post on social media. It's like yin and yang and masculine and feminine and shows a little bit of everything. There's, Nothing to offend. It just shows that we can all be creative, and fashion is uh, awesome. It has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with um, making you feel fabulous and looking good, right? Yeah, and I think moving into a direction of non-binary when it comes to fashion is going to be something that is healthy for everyone and for designers, too, because now they can design more universal. Right, and Christian Siriano was such a trendsetter in that way back on his Project Runway days, and now there's so many fashion designers that are adopting the look. It's really cool to see these days. Oh, and Let's then, talk, yeah. Uh, and it, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was no, going to say that. That's what we love yeah. about doing it 3,000 miles away. You know, go ahead and finish your thoughts <laughs> in fashion. Okay. I was going to say it takes some of the pressure off the guys, too, because they only have pretty much, what are they going to pick from, a tuxedo in different colors? So now they have way more of an array of things to pick from to wear. Exactly, exactly. You can only have so many colored frills underneath the, the jacket. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk about um, no hostess here. It was a big uh, controversy with Kevin Hart, of course, and, uh, not able to get a host. Um, what did you think? What was the buzz around town about it going into it, and what was it afterwards? Going into it, I think a lot of people felt like it was okay not to have the host because Every year, I think the big thing around it is to try to make it within the 8 o'clock to 11 o'clock hour on the East Coast and 5 to 8 here. So during the show, commented that they didn't really notice there wasn't a host. I didn't either. I felt like it flowed very well. I did too. 
I thought it was a very seamless. I mean, there's slow moments even when there's a host. There was a couple slow moments last night. There's mm. a slow moment every year, one or two of them. But like you said, I don't think I noticed that there wasn't an official host. I was really hoping, as I do every year when I see Maya Rudolph and Amy Poehler around, and then, of course, Tina Fey this year, they're going to come back. And um, I think Stephen Amell tweeted about it, as a matter of fact. It would have been a great running joke about every uh, four awards for them to come back and say, we're really not hosting this year, but. I thought they were great. Oops, are you there? Let me see if I lost you. One second here. Oh, we lost Tommy for a second. Sorry, Tommy's going to call back in in one second. Of course, like I said, some of the troubles of live radio, especially when you're calling in from different states, is uh, we have different connections. And he's in Culver City right now working on does some productions that he does. I think we, so lost, we I got think I lost you. Now. Sorry about that, Tommy. Glad to have you back. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but, yeah, we were talking about I just had a the host of the venue, and I thought that it was very seamless overall. And uh, Stephen Amell tweeted about it, and I thought it would have been hilarious to see Maya Rudolph and uh, the girls come back about every five awards and say, we're really not hosting, but because they were just hilarious as always. I would love to see that. Um, I think that they should stick with a team maybe each year. So this way they have a little less pressure off the one person. Right. And it came in so much better. Cause like you said, it's been going over every year forever, usually four years, sometimes over four hours, um, sometimes just under four hours. I think it was like three hours and 11 minutes, three hours and 20 minutes this year. So it made it feel a lot smoother, I think. I think so, and I think it gives more time for the acceptance speeches, which it should highlight that because the people worked hard all year. They got the nomination. Now they're getting a win. They should have their moment in the sun for as long as they need it. Exactly. I think that really helped with being able to extend the acceptance speeches. There were some times where some music played out early on in the night, but they really gave all the main awards <laughs> as much time as they wanted and that's what you're there for. You're there to see who's winning and who they want to thank. And I think that's part of the show. So I thought it was great. No, for sure. Let's talk about what the buzz was out there about any surprises or upsets. I think the two main ones that come to mind are um, having uh, the Green Book as Best Picture, of course, and, of course, um, the uh, Best Actress. Um, um, was there that? Yeah. What was happening at the viewing parties? Well, I think at the viewing party that we had, too, everybody agreed that surprised about um, the movie that won, and then they were also surprised that Glenn Close didn't get the best action. Yeah, so I, I, but she's I just – she's dominated all the awards. I think it was an expected for yeah. her, for sure. Best picture is always a bit of a uh, upper ground. But, but I, I think, think it was a little surprising. It was, but I think a lot, a lot of times we forget, too, that the fact that they made it all the way to the nomination means that they were worthy of it to begin with. So it could really go any way. Right. And, I mean, you, you have to pay attention. A lot of people don't know how the Academy works. It's, all these award shows are a little different. Like the Golden Globes is picked by only 88 people. There's only 88 people in the forum press. And Screen mm-hmm. Actors Guild um, does both Screen Actors Guild and the Academy Awards. The Academy Awards are only people that in that category allowed to vote for that. Um, whereas Best Picture, the entire Academy can vote for something there. So that turns into much more of a crapshoot. 
but I think it's uh, it's really hard to predict those ones where you have actors voting for themselves, and I kind of like the way it turns out. I think it really shows respect for one another. Yeah, then they're all deserving of it at, at the end of the day. If they're in that room, they're deserving of an award. So when it goes to a, someone who you consider an underdog, it's actually hopeful for other people. Exactly. Now, uh, talk about the after parties. Um, did you stay at the Biltmore the entire time? Did you have your own after party there? Or did you go out and about on town? We did at the Biltmore the whole time. And then after that, uh, I bummed around Rio for a little while. And then I went back because I was really tired. The day starts out so early getting ready that by the time you get to the after after party, that's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it is. Um, I, I always like, it's my goal in life, when I've gone to a lot of Academy events when I used to live in L.A., but my goal in life has always been to go to the Elton John uh, fundraiser mm-hmm. that he does every year. Um, did you happen to see the video yet that. of Karen Egerton um, singing with him? Yes, I did see that this morning, and when I got up, yeah. And I really would love to go to that party one of these years if anybody out there wants to get me in. <laughs> there you go. Tommy and I would love to go, and I think we would we would uh, we would be on our best behavior, right? <laughs> I would totally, and I would you know I would highlight the charity. I would I would do my best to help them promote whatever they're doing. <laughs> exactly. I cannot wait to see the Rocket Man movie with Taron Egerton, Elton John. It uh, looks. So good. so good. The previews look amazing. I would love to get him on the show. I probably don't have a snowball's chance in Hades, but man, I am in love with that guy. That would be fun. Yeah. And did you happen to see this, the other stuff this morning about Remy Malik not mentioning that Freddie Mercury was bisexual and saying he was gay? And I see some people are upset that he didn't mention about AIDS. Um, but I also think we forget that when you're up on that stage, you only have a certain amount of time and you're nervous as all get out. So I'm sure he didn't mean to slight Freddie by saying that he was a gay man, and I'm sure he didn't mean to slight anyone by not mentioning AIDS. Um, he's been doing it the whole time through. He's been such a great advocate for that, for us and for that. So I think they should let him have a pass on this one, and I'm sure in the future he's going to go back and revisit that. But we are responsible now to keep it going because the whole story of Freddie Mercury and the fact that he had AIDS and the fact that it's still an issue now, we need to highlight that as well. So it's all up to all of us, and you can't really put all the pressure on him. He's done so much already. I think we just need to carry it forward. Very well said. I love that you said that, and we're always going to find something to bitch about or somebody's going to find something to bitch about, and I think it's really important that we keep sight of what you said. I mean, he did shout out that there needs to be better representation of the entire gay community, and you can use gay, kind of transpose that with LGBT especially people that are not mm-hmm. part of the community. They kind of lump it all together. So you can be forgiven for that. And I think it's just important sure to have that representation that. out there. So, yeah, I think you're 100% yeah. right on that. Plus, he's been such an uh, ally, and he's been such a just this, like, kind, loving soul, and I don't know why we jump on him now at this moment. But I guess people get themselves, like, up, caught up in all these things at first, and then it'll blow over. Exactly, and he was really in love with his girlfriend because he kissed her about 12 times before going out, so he might have not been thinking straight. I also think that was nerves. Yeah, I think that was also nerves. I have a feeling he was part of trying to ground himself back to be able – but then did you see he fell off the stage afterwards? No, I missed that. You're kidding. I didn't yeah, see that. apparently when he – after he won and he was going off, somehow he tumbled off the front of the stage. So, And then they had to call the paramedics and things like that, but he was okay. I just think all of that was nerves. I think he must have been – it must have been so surreal for him that he must have been just like in another place in time. 
I think so too. I mean, you look at his career trajectory. I mean, it's just blown up the last three years, but three years is a short period of time to adjust all that type of fame and everything. He got a lot of it with uh, uh, Robot. Uh, what was the name of it? Oh, Mr. Robot. Uh, Mr. Robot. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Robot. Thank you very much for that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's been a relatively short road of fame for him, and to go from that to the Oscars in, a, in three short years. That's a big accomplishment, and that would make anybody nervous, I would think. Oh, yeah, and I think I have a friend, Margaret McSweeney, who does Kitchen Chat, and she always says whenever we're talking about things like this that God's trains run on time because her dad used to know that. And for him, how much more perfect timing can there be? Mr. Robot is coming to an end, the last season coming up, and then he's got all of this success going on with this film that will parlay him into something even bigger. So how great for him to have his timing all set up like this. Exactly. I love that. Absolutely love it. All right. Well, Oscars overall, any final thoughts on the Oscars before we move on? I just thought the show went really well. And I think uh, hopefully next year they kind of follow the same format or get the two hosts, like we said, and allow them to kind of show more than dominate the show. And I think they'll have a, a really good formula. Well said. I love that. Maybe next year I'll bring the Left of Straight show out there and we'll do some live radio shows from that. Oh, yeah. Oh, listen, next year at the Biltmore, we can all go to the Biltmore. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, I'll definitely try to plan for that. I've been finding some amazing cheap flights out there. I don't know um, what it's like from New York, but I'm on this little app right now where I'm getting like $136 round trip flights here like every other day. All right. It's mm. amazing. I have a lot of so miles. To start. Usually when I come, I just use miles. There you go. Yeah, I'm not, I don't travel that much yet. i got to get back to my plane thing. Let's go on to uh, your adventures in L.A. Like you said, you are right now in Culver City because you have worked on a lot of productions. You've been a great producer and ally to so many great productions. Um, talk about that. A lot of things are being filmed out there. What are you working on uh, upcoming that, uh, that we should be on the lookout for in the next few months or this year? Well, this year for sure, uh, East Side of Season 4 is coming out. And um, when I get back to New York, I'm working on a music video with a friend of mine, Aris. Diagos, and um, he did a duet with Paula Cole, who used to sing, who sang the theme song for Dawson's Creek. So they did a duet together, and now we're doing the video. Oh, amazing! That's fantastic. And he might be somebody to have on the show because he's he's very big in the music industry in New York, and he's doing a lot of producing for other people like Ari Gold and uh, other indie artists around New York. So he might be good to come on and chat. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, you definitely have to set that up. That'd be amazing. And then I'm jealous, hell, you're gonna while you're out there, you're gonna be able to see our buddy David Hernandez perform. Of course, David's been on the show uh, when Beautiful came out and he is such an amazing yes. singer, um, advocate and all around guy. Talk about you've actually got to interview David and see him a couple of times. Tell about uh, what you're gonna be doing next week to see his show. Next Monday night he has a show in LA and uh if you go on to his Instagram page and on his website it'll give you all the information about that but uh, I love seeing him live because not too many people have a voice live as powerful as his and I would say that I compare him to be like a male Whitney Houston because his voice is so diverse and he has all this range in his voice and when he's live it's like you get lost in the moment of the song I love seeing him live he's one of my favorite live performers that's fantastic so you're going to be in L.A. for another week then until you get to see David next week. Anything that's a must-do when you go out to California? What's your uh, any favorite places that you have to go eat at or any um, must-see things? 
Well, my one of my favorite places to hang out is uh, Pump in West Hollywood, and then Spago is where I would love to, always go love to eat because uh, they make this really great salmon pizza. If you've never had the salmon pizza from Spago, I highly recommend going and getting it because this, you'll want to take some home with you afterwards. I love going to Spago. One of my favorite restaurants was actually right across the street from it. It's not there anymore. It's called La Dome. Um, but oh, yeah. yeah, Spago's. You, you wouldn't, you couldn't tell Spago's was there by looking at it driving down the Sunset Strip. But it's a great restaurant. I'm not a seafood guy, but I do love his pizza. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, let's go ahead and take a break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff with Tommy. Um, he's got so many things happening and fingers in so many pots. So we're going to take a quick break, play another song from our buddy Stephen Davis. They call you Lady Luck, but there is room for doubt. At times you have a very unladylike way out you're on this date with me the pickings have been lush and yet before this evening is over you might give me the brush you might forget your manners you might refuse to stay and so the best that I can do is pray Luck be a lady tonight Luck be a lady tonight Luck if you've ever been a lady to begin with Luck be a lady tonight Luck let a gentleman see Just how nice a dame you can be I know the way you treated other guys you've been with Luck be a lady with me A lady doesn't leave her escort It isn't fair It isn't nice A lady doesn't wander all over the room And blow on some other guy's dice So let's keep this party polite Never get out of my sight Stick with me, baby, I'm a guy that you came in with Luck be a lady tonight Gentlemen, see 
just how nice a dame you can be. I know the way you treated other guys you've been with. Luck be a lady with me. A lady never flirts with strangers. She'd have a heart and she'd be nice. A lady doesn't wander all over the room and then blow on some other guy's dice. So let's keep this party polite. Never get out of my sight. Stick with me, baby. I'm the guy that you came in with. Luck be a lady. Luck be a lady. Luck be a lady. Hey guys, we are back. Welcome back to the Legislate Show. My guest today on the first dance is Tommy Grassi, um, out in LA today for all these fantastic Oscar shenanigans going on. And he does so much great producing work and other things out in LA. But let's go back to New York a little bit. You are a huge fan of theater as I am. And I saw you post the other day about a great new show out there called We Are the Tigers. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah, it's a musical, it's an off Broadway musical. And it's about uh, a group of cheerleaders who are pretty much held hostage by a serial killer one night. And it's the whole mystery around who the serial killer is, what the motives would be behind someone trying to kill them, the drama they're having in their own uh, squad there, their, their cheering squad. And uh, the music is amazing. Like you leave there humming the songs and tapping your feet. So I recommend that highly. Nice. I love that. And then you're going to be going to um... – a new play called Fiercely Independent. What's that about? That is about, it's from Kathleen Johnson. She's, I believe she wrote it and she's directing it. But it's about a couple who's married, I think about three, four years, and they're having trouble in their relationship. So they decide to go spend 24 hours or a weekend away and with no phones, no internet, no distractions, no television, and see if they can work things out. Nice. So I can do that if, with my windstorm. If I had a relationship, I could go work it out today. Yay. <laughs> right. I, I don't know if I could make that. Phone. I don't think I could do 20. I don't know if I could do 24 hours without all that, though, without my phone, without my internet. I mean, I don't know. So this is going to be an interesting play for me to see. <laughs> Might give me anxiety. If the cell towers were jammed, I would be totally screwed, my friend, because that's the only thing that's been kept me going since 11.05 last night. <laughs> oh, wow. It's been wow. amazing. <laughs> I feel so disconnected. It's like, gosh, are we living in the 18th century or what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I don't think I've ever gone without my phone for more than the hours I'm sleeping. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's it's amazing. It's the first thing I look at when I wake up and the last thing I look at before I go to bed. We're so trained anymore to look at social media and to look online that I think uh, it, it's an appendage anymore. Yeah, everything we do now, you look up online first. If I'm going to go see a movie or if I'm going to go do this, I look up to see how long it's taking to get there, what the best way to get there is. I don't know how I would do that all without my phone. <laughs> what else is happening theater-wise in New York? Anything that's on your heart button that you've seen or you want to see? 
Oh, I know that um, Frank Avella is doing another reading of Vatican. The uh, Catholic Church took advantage of the young boys in the church, and uh, it's very controversial. It's been they've tried to bring it to Italy, but the Vatican actually shut it down and wouldn't allow it to be shown. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, and he's a, he's another great guy to have as a guest because he's written so many shows that are topical, and uh, he did Lord the Play, which is about uh, how in Russia that they actually lure gay men into situations where they can then torture them and kill them. And that's another really controversial play, which has been all over the world at this point, I think, now. Wow, that's exciting. You're going to be my little publicist here, Tommy. I need to know these guests. you got to let me know people I haven't met. (laughs) Well, I like singing the praises of the people who I enjoy, and that's the whole point. I I don't ever go to anything and then keep it to myself unless maybe I didn't like it. So anything I really love, I'm always like the cheerleader on the roof yelling and screaming. I love that. I feel the same way. And I have four hours a week to fill up an interview. So anytime you come across something great, you got to send them over my way. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll do some email intros and things like that. Uh, I was kind of excited last week. I had Cody Lawson, who is a fantastic Broadway producer. He was on the show last week. He brought... Um, the Deaf Theater Company Spring Awakening with Andy Mantis to Broadway uh, last year. He's um, currently involved in the band's visit and the recently wrapped with the amazing Michael Yuri and Mercedes Rule. Uh, he just opened Alice by Heart. It's opening right now, which is a new musical by Duncan Sheet. And then he has Tootsie open next month. And I think Mom and I are going to head out to New York to see Tootsie. He's going to give us some lessons. You want to come with us, my friend? Oh, yeah. Don't we know. Whenever you're in New York, as long as I'm in town, I'm always available to go to whatever. Definitely. I love myself a little theater. I love some theater action on there. Anything else we might we need to be looking for in New York as far as theater or live events coming up in the very near future? Well, I know I went to see a, a musical called Cleopatra, which I really, really like. Um, Dusty Bottoms, the drag queen, was in it. And uh, I know that they ended their run, but they're coming back. So that's a it's called an immersive play because – Basically, during the show, they bring people up from the audience, and they do, like, a dance contest, and they judge a dance contest, and then they bring guys up to do um, a dance with the dancers where they sit in a chair and the dancers dance around them. Uh, it's also in a bar so that you can actually get drink and food while you're watching the show. And this phenomenal, nice. and everybody in it is so talented. So I would, if it, once it comes back, I definitely recommend that because uh, it was, that was a fun, fun night. Very cool. And you also go to a monthly comedy show in Astoria. Talk about that a second. Oh, my friend Sue Funk, who used to work at Movie Land, and now she's working all over in television, and Katie Compa, who's a stand-up comic, and Sue's also a stand-up comic. They do a show once a month at a place called QED in Astoria, store, coffee shop, bar, where they do live shows all the time. And um, they put get together like some local comics, and they do an hour of stand-up every Thursday night. And they bring in who's up and coming, and then they have one headliner who's usually like bigger than the rest of them at this point in their career. Uh, it's just a really fun night. And we have Sean Halbeck, and he's, um, he's a comedian in New York, but he's a musical comedian, so he writes songs. He has one song called Filter Face, which is set up to Gaga's Poker Face. It's that beat, right. and it's about all how we, how we use double filters on our faces now to post them on Instagram and how as you get older, you need more filters. <laughs> a really funny song. <laughs> I post it a lot. I do record it and I post it a lot, so you can check him out too. 
Nice. I love that. That's awesome. And then the city is going to just blow up and glitter. I'm going to talk more about it to my buddy Greg coming up in the next segment. But this June, you not only have New York City Pride, but you have Gay World Pride, and you have the 50th anniversary of Stonewall happening in New York. That's going to be a crazy time for you, my friend. Oh, my God. I can't wait for that. I'm going to do L.A. Pride in the beginning of June, and then I'm going to go home and rest a little. I'm actually going to go from L.A. Pride go home, go down to Fort Lauderdale to go to the Grand Resort to rest for a little, then come back up to New York and do New York Pride. <laughs> That's going to be a month. You are That's going to be some month. Be a, it's going to be a crazy month, and we're going to try to get you in Palm Springs where you're down at L.A. Pride, because we'll be at L.A. Pride this year for the Left to Straight Show. We're going to have to get you to Palm Springs for sure. Oh, uh, listen, any, any resort or any chance to relax for a little while, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Well, the Indulge Resort treats us well, so I'm looking forward to doing a month of shows there. And we have gift bags ourselves, so we're gonna have to hook up with your celebrity connected and try to give some stuff away from us. I was just doing it the other day. I was getting ready to put my stuff together for uh, this for this big gay road trip part two. And with all my celebrities last year, I had and I just did eight shows last year. And wow. with my guests for those eight shows last year. We had over three-quarters of a million reach on social media in the LGBT and ally community. And this year we're going to add a third show, so we're going to be doing 12 shows. So it's going to be huge this year. So I'm really looking forward to hopefully find some great sponsors and some great things that uh, to get some people noticed. And it's going to be restaurant week the very first week we're there. And I'm a huge foodie, oh so God. it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be crazy time. <laughs> There is. There's not gym on the property, but they're they're affiliated with the uh, with the uh, gay gym in Palm Springs. So, and then I have a personal trainer that's going to be on the show. That's going to help me out the entire month I'm there. So, it'll be good because I'll need it for Restaurant Week for sure. That's for darn sure. Wonderful. You need to have a good time when you're in Palm Springs. I'm going to reach out to him. Like I said, Derek's been on the show before. He's a great guy, and I'd love to have him be part of the training and stuff there and talk about all the stuff he does. and you are talking, I mean, I've been, of course, I'm a, a huge fan of your social media. You've become a life coach, and I think you help um, credit uh, Derek for that as well. Talk about this whole life coaching thing you have going now. Yeah, I was, I've always been interested in doing something with people because I like helping people. And life coaching was something I was kind of interested in, but skating around it. And then Derek did some spiritual work with me. And this week we're supposed to be doing a past life regression, but from the work that we did together was that I needed to really get on the path of helping others because I wasn't honoring the whole part of myself that wants to do that. And then there's another life coach who I interviewed. His name is Caden James. He's from out here as well. And we spoke and I was like, wait, all of these conversations keep leading me back to I should be doing this life coaching. So I did go and get my certification. It took me a couple of months, but I got it and I'm certified. And I just need to put that into practice now. And I'm going to start doing some life coaching. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you. That's very, it's it's great when you can actually give back like that. I mean, you do so much to give back already to the community and all your stuff and different subways, but it's nice when you can actually work on a personal level like that. What have you going through the certification? What does it teach you about yourself? What I learned about myself was that I had already, a lot of the things were common nature for me. So it made sense that Derek pointed me towards that and that Keaton pointed me towards that because when I was doing all of the coursework, I would be answering the questions pretty much before I would 
be done reading the paragraphs because it just was like such common sense to me and just such common nature for me. That's awesome. I love that. So what else do you have ahead of you, my friend? What's going to be going on in Tommy Grassi's life for the next uh, couple months? Let's see. What am I going to be doing? Uh, I'm going to be back here for the Taste Awards, which is a food uh, food industry award. Uh, that's going to be the 18th of the month. So I'm coming out from the 16th and 19th, real quick trip. And um, my friend Mar- Margaret McSweeney that I mentioned before, she was nominated for four and won one award. So I'm very proud of her, and I want to be there for that. And what else am I going to be doing? So many things. Um, seeing some more Broadway plays, I hope. I'd like to be back in town for the Broadway shows. And coming back out to L.A. in June, of course. Uh, May, I'm going to see Cher in New York. Nice. Then, you're going to go see Cher. That'll be kind of exciting. Yeah. I wanted to see her in when she was down in Orlando and Fort Lauderdale, but it turned out to be that the between the tickets and the flights, it was not working out. So I said, let me wait until she's in my own city, and then I'll just be her by me. That is amazing. Uh, yeah, she was in um, Pittsburgh recently, and I did not make it out there, so I'm trying to see if there's another way I can see the tour. When I go to the Big Gay Road Trip in June, we're going to be spending five days in Vegas, too, so I'm trying to see who's going to be in residency there. I'm working with our buddy Randy Slavacek out there that's uh, hooked into Vegas, because I'd love to see a show out there as well. There's so many great people touring anymore. I know. Well, JLo is going to be touring too for a, a little bit next this year, I think, for her birthday. I want to try to see her, and just like I think Janet's also touring again. I like to see Janet. I want to see the people that are touring that have from been around for a while, and especially people who may not be touring as much anymore. Like I think Cher's right, be exactly, exactly. All right, my friend. Well, I appreciate you calling in, and I know you have lots of business you're doing out there in LA. Thanks for taking the time. Be sure to let everyone know. Where they can follow you, give your website out, and all your social media for me. Yeah, social media, they can find me at Tico71, T-E-E-C-O-7-1. And the website is Tico71.com. And they can go on there to find my latest interviews. I'll be doing something with Ronnie Crow soon and something with uh, Brandon Rogers. Brandon Rogers has a new a video out for his song, Empathy. So I can't wait to – I'm actually going to see them here. Very nice. That's fantastic. Well, thanks for being on the show. Stay in for me. Guys, we're going to do a mm-hmm. couple song break here. We're going to play a little bit of our buddy Trevor Page from out there in California. And when we come oh, back, we'll be talking to Greg <laughs> Scarnici from New York, who has a fantastic new book out called Dungeons and Drag Queens, where his alter ego, Livonia, is uh, taking Fire Island by storm and giving a lot of personal essays from his time living on Fire Island for the last, I think it's like 18 years now. So, Tommy, thanks so much for being on the show. Stay in the line for me. We're going to play out to the Warrior by Trevor Page. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on Blog Talk Radio. And my song is not playing. We'll be right back, guys. Give me one second. There we go. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know Trevor, too. I have Open your eyes and tell me, is this what you believe? Into the depths of darkness, as dark as it can be. I will hold you tight and we will rise. 
up with the sun With my hand in yours companion We'll fight until we've won Can't you see it? Trying to open up your eyes And I won't conceive I will put all of my armor And I will stand up tall There's nothing that I wouldn't do I'll always fight for you So would you stand with me And know it's worth everything We are back. That is Trevor Page with Warrior. 
Guys, I'm so excited. My guest next, uh, my next guest book, my mother doesn't read this, had me at mother with fun essays of big city life with a gay twist. And now he's written another book of truly laugh out loud and heartfelt essays from his years on Fire Island, the New York adjacent little strip of an island that is home to Cherry Grove and the Pines, fashions of both gay debauchery and refinement. I've been stalking him on social media ever since the first read, and I'm so excited to talk to him again. Please welcome back to the show, the amazing Mr. Greg Scarnici. Greg, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, doing pretty good, Scott. Thanks so much for having me on the show again. How are you? I am doing fantastic. So excited to talk to you in person. Of course, we had a great interview, but it's been a couple years now since uh, Mother Please Don't Read This came out butchering the name there but uh you have a new <laughs> book fine. out congratulations my friend yeah thanks so much the book comes out this coming friday but there was a little, little bit of a glitch on amazon and apparently the uh hard copies are already out so people have been buying them and reading it so see people seem to be liking it it's, it's, it's a good time right now well there you go well, i want to talk all about it in just a little bit um but I do want to talk about a couple things. I mean, after I read the first book last time, I had to check out Sex and Drag, your parody book of Madonna's sex book. Uh, I became obsessed. That was so much fun. How was that to get like over 70 looks like that? That had to be amazing as well. Yeah, you know what? I got really lucky. I used this photographer who works in nightlife, and he really doesn't do that many fashion shoots or anything like that. And I scheduled to the T. We shot it in three days in Fire Island, and we had so many images that we didn't even plan on having that the book wound up being a little bigger than I wanted to, and we were able to use like 15, 16 picture spreads. And it's actually funny you should bring that book up because it's very expensive to buy. It's like 45 or $50 online, and it's only like 70 pages. So I recently tried to get the book on Amazon in like a paperback copy that would only cost $15, and I'm currently going through all these legal hurdles with them because they want me to supply them with all the IDs of everyone in the book because they think it's porn and they want to make sure that everyone's over 18 years old. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're going to talk about the journey of this book in a little bit when we get to it because you've had a journey with this recent book as well. But just the hoops that everyone has to go through anymore to be politically correct and uh, not get sued is crazy. So you're, I'm sure you have quite a few stories to go from there. Yeah, sure. And I, I have my thankfully my husband's a lawyer, and he's drafting up a document that will hopefully settle them, and I'll be able to have the book available at a much cheaper price soon. That would be amazing because, like I said, since I read the first book and had you on, I had to go uh, look at it and everything, and, it, and it's just fantastic. So that would be great if we can get back out to the mass audiences. Since it's been a hot minute since we had you on, Greg, give the listeners a quick reader's digest recap about you. Um, you're a New Yorker through and through, but remind everyone where you grew up and what kind of a kid were you? I grew up in Queens, New York, and I guess I was a stereotypical like gay kid that liked to have fun and be in plays and shows like that and was terrible at baseball. <laughs> Didn't have the sports ball gene as I don't, so I understand how that goes. No. I mean, my first day of Little League, I went there and I held the mid up when they hit a ball to me, and I got a black eye and I broke my glasses. Oh, my goodness. I don't have quite that tale of woe, but that's funny. I love that. <laughs> now, talk about funny. Most people I know were just born that way. When did you first learn that you had a knack for comedy, and how do you hone a gift like that? 
I don't know. I guess just growing up being gay and being effeminate and like everyone knowing that I was gay in grammar school before I even knew that I was, I think a natural (laughs) defense mechanism that I discovered was to make people laugh that way. If they're laughing with you and at you, they don't want to beat you up. Right. So it's sort of like a coping mechanism for me, like to get people to like me, I would be the funny guy. I would be the clown. And like, who's going to go fucking gay bash the funny guy that everyone likes. (laughs) True that. I love that. And you've taken this talent. You are now one of those multi-hyphen guys. You're uh, writing direct J music. Your videos have been viewed over 10 million times on YouTube and other various sites out there. Uh, You've done so much talk about, all this multitasking, is that something that you have to in today's day and age of people having 10-minute attention spans, or do you really prefer any medium over another? I just, I guess I have a lot of interest, but I think everything that I do is wrapped under the umbrella of music and comedy. So whether it's a video that I'm making that usually has music that I've created, there's comedy in there. So even though it seems like I'm all over the map, there's sort of like a through line to everything that I do. And I guess one of my favorite things to do would probably be making videos because it's just you get to work on something that you wrote and you're directing it and usually working with really fun and creative people and coming up with problems and solving problems when you're doing it. So I like making videos and films the most of everything I do. Nice. And you've worked on some great award-winning indies and shorts, and you've directed music videos, some of our favorite, Pandora Box and Sherry Vine. Love both of them. Um, what, does it, what does it take to get you interested in a product or to a project? What, what kind of hits your hot button? What do you like to share? I mean, yeah, I guess it has to resonate with me. And with Pandora Box and, and uh, Sherry Vine, it's comedy, so they're, they're, they're really hilarious. So I always knew I would have no problem working with them on anything. So I guess it just has to be a product that you feel that resonates with you and that you think you could do something good with to make it turn out better. Because if it's just some people coming to me with a song that I think is terrible, I'm not going to be able to put my heart behind it. Right, right. And um, talking about some of these short projects you've worked on, what um, do, you, do you do at all? Do you like to do all the behind the scenes or are you able to pull a team around you or what is, what's these things entail? Because oh, yeah. now you have web series that have so much involved, but I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I always bring a, a cinematographer, usually this guy, Ian, who shoots all my stuff. And I usually get, if it's a, something that needs sound, you have to get a professional sound person and hair and makeup and costume people, because although I'm gay girl, I don't know how to style a wig or make a dress. <laughs> So there's a lot of talent that goes behind everything that I do that's not me because I don't. There's certain things I just I'm not that great at. Do you have any um, any person or anybody that you that's on your wish list to work for or to do a project around? As far as a person, I mean, let me think. I mean, Tina Fey when she was on the show was incredible and amazing, and she's been so sweet and supportive of me. And she brought me in a few times to audition for 30 Rock and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I was on 30 Rock once. And I would love to do anything that, like, Tina ever came to me with. That would, that's, like, my dream person. She's so incredible and hysterical. Oh, that would be great to see you two together. Let's talk about your day job for a minute. You're an associate producer over there on Saturday Night Live. You're making a show that takes up a new person each week. It's a very fast schedule for what it seems like. Um, 
How heck of a pace is it for you? Are you able to compartmentalize that pretty well since you do all this other work on your own? Well, the good thing about SNL is even though we have 80-hour weeks, we only have 21 of them in a year because we spread out those shows between September and May, and the other weeks I'm off. So I could plan a lot of my work and my shows and, and projects that I do on those off weeks and during the summer. So if you're an organized person, it could be really good. If you're not, you could just come home and be exhausted and do nothing all week. But I try to be <laughs> a little bit more productive than that. Nice. And then what does it entail? I mean, they, they do all these scripts. They throw out all these scripts and they decide what they're going to work with as co-host every week. Does your job start after they make that decision? Or are you in the beginning, from the very beginning, helping them kind of mold stuff and decide what should go on air? Well, there's a read-through on – Wednesdays that we get all my, my department helps to get all the scripts ready for and everyone that works on staff is in that meeting and the way that we respond to those sketches helps the major producers like Lauren Michaels and Steve Higgins figure out what they think they should produce that week and then from that point on I think we start with about 40 scripts we'll select between 11 and 13 per week to produce so nice. I'm there the okay. entire time is just getting done and, and finessed and rewritten and re-edited so it's interesting to see the process happen very cool i love that i gotta ask you too i mean a couple of weeks ago uh, don Cheadle appear and the lgbt community especially our trans friend went crazy when he came out sporting a supportive uh trans uh, cap and t-shirt how do those things happen does lauren have to approve things like that or does the guest kind of sacrosanct can do whatever they want Well, the guest host gets to talk with our costume department and Tom Broker, who's the head costume person there, and talk about what they want to wear when they're doing the intros and when they want to wear for their monologue. So he went to them with that idea. And let's say it's something like a logo. If it's a logo, we have to get it cleared first. But I think a shirt like that, which is just a statement and isn't really promoting any brand or company, he has free reign to do what he'd like to do. I mean, it's encouraging love. It's not like it's doing something that's hateful. So I think that everyone had no problem with it as soon as he brought it to us. That's fantastic. Did he say where, um, what was the impetus behind it? I know he's been an ally to so many communities. um, Or did did it just happen organically? I'm not sure what his idea was. I guess trans is uh, right. And the things about trans kids are just such on everyone's minds right now that it might have been right. what he wanted to throw his weight behind right now. Very cool. Now, are only um, not ready for primetime players allowed on stage, or could Lavonia ever show up in a background? Um, do you kind of rules about going on stage? Have you ever thought about it or tried? I never auditioned for the show. I recently wrote a piece that I pitched to Colin Jost over there for Weekend Update as Lavonia, but – I'm not sure if the show is ready for drag queen yet or if they're ready for a bearded drag queen at that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I want to talk about New York for a second before we get into the book here. You guys are going to be exploding in glitter in June when you have New York City Pride, World Pride, Stonewall 50. Um, talk about what you're looking forward to in June. Or are you just going to be happy to be on Fire Island? Well, I love to come back to New York City that weekend because I feel like I'm missing something if I'm not at the parade because there's just such an amazing <laughs> energy at that parade. Like, I, I, I get so emotional when I see the various groups go that that's really my favorite right. part of the, of the day is going to the parade. 
Nice. I love it. And whatever that. happens afterwards is kind of incidental. And now that I'm going to be 47 in April, I ain't into one of these parties that are going to be going all night long. I just want to see some friends, have some margaritas, and call it a day. <laughs> it's been, I mean, the pressure is so high already for this world pride. I mean, I got invites to parties three months ago. I got them in, in July for the next year. Everyone's out of their game mind with this whole thing. I mean, go and have a good time, but like, I'm not be I'm not going to be spending thousands of dollars on like 30 parties. There you go. I love that. Too much fun. That's going to be a crazy time had by all there for sure. All right, well, let's take a quick break. Um, in honor of our drag kings, let's play a little Blair St. Clair has been on the show a couple months back. A little Now or Never. Nice. We're, back. We're going to talk all about this new book. With Greg Panici from New York, you're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on Blog Talk Radio. It's not like you know me. I live in the world of green. I got too good at painting the dream. But if you really know me, I made it out in the flesh. I'm here because I'm getting it. I'm gonna turn the tide. I'm gonna live my life the way I want, the way I
All righty, guys. We are back. That was Blair St. Clair with Now or Never. Speaking of some of my favorite drag queens, we have the alter ego of Miss Livonia on, Mr. Greg Scarnici from New York. Thanks for being on, my friend. We're having a good old time here. Let's start talking books. You have this amazing new book out. The title is hilarious. Dungeons and Drag Queens, Fire Island to the Eyes of Its Worst Drag Queen. Um, talk about this. What was the inspiration for this book? Well, I write essays about my life, similar like David Sedaris. And a few years ago, I started writing my second collection. And when I was like halfway through, I realized that like three quarters of the stories took place on Fire Island. So then I thought, <laughs> oh, my God, why don't I just focus the entire book there because I thought it would be a great way to sell the book, like, oh, it's an entire collection of stories and essays about Fire Island instead of a bunch of random nonsense. And as it turned out, that wound up being a detraction for the book. Because well, yeah, when I was trying to get it, yeah, when I was trying to get it uh, signed with an agent or try to find a publisher for it, they all replied with like, oh, Fire Island is like a niche within a niche. Like only 10% of the population is LGBT and only like 3% of them have ever heard of Fire Island. So who the hell is going to want to read this book? And I was like, um, <laughs> right. all the people who have never been there that might want to find out about it. Exactly. I mean, what's 10% of 300 million or so? I mean, figure it out, guys. I don't understand yeah. the publishing world or people in general for some times that want to marginalize things, especially when the LGBT has such buying power anymore. And it's, it's proven in all the little studies they do that some things really amaze me, but it, it was a tough road. So you decided to self-publish. Talk about that journey. Yeah. So after about a year and a half of basically hitting up every single agent that says that they represent LGBTQ people and all the publishing houses and getting the similar response, like the book is really great. It's heartfelt. It's funny, but I'm not sure if a publisher will bite be, unless you have like the visibility of like Andy Cohen, like somebody huge and gay. So I, you know, I, one of the agents, actually Tina Fey is the one that hooked me up with an agent at where she is signed. And this guy spoke to me on the phone and he was like, listen, self-publish this book because with limited funding, you could get it into the hands of the people that are going to read it and you could probably make more money because you'll make more royalties if you do it on your own. So I thought it would be a lot of work, and I wasn't really into self-publishing, but it turned out to be not that difficult, and I'm glad I did it so far. That's fantastic. And one of the things I like about it, too, I mean, you were so kind to send me an, an ebook form ahead of time, so I got to read it. Thank you for that. But the thing I love about it is there's so many great bonus content links in there that you can't do from a printed word, too. Talk about that and being able to add those fun things to it. Yeah, I wanted to try and utilize the ebook format in a way that would make it more interactive and fun for people. So a lot of the essays that I write about reference real-life events in my life that I created videos for, or we did videos on Fire Island that day. So I have links to things like that. That way, if somebody wants to find out more about one of the short, short, short films that I talk about in the book, there's a link to check it out. Or if people want to see what the hell Livonia looks like when she's in a music video, I put a few links in there. And I just thought it might make it more interactive and fun for people to be able to click on something and make the book come to life more for them. Well, it really does, because I clicked on all of them, and I've seen them before. But it's just, it's just fun to see that go part of it when you actually get the context with it with your stories. 
Talk about your first visit to Fire Island, and for the uninitiated, what were some of the original differences between Cherry Grove and the Pines? Well, when I first started going to Cherry Grove and the Pines, I think I was like 20 years old with a fake ID getting into the bars, but (laughs) I was so young and so thin and newly out and really insecure, so the entire situation was just very overwhelming because like here I am on this gay Mecca with all these amazing shirtless guys that are like 35 years old with perfect fucking bodies. And here I show up like barely out of (laughs) high school, like a skinny twink, so self-conscious. But I think I dealt with that by drinking a lot and getting really high and it made it a lot more fun. (laughs) There you go. And you've got over the body. But I would say you've been looking good for a long time. (laughs) What's that? I say, well, you got over the body issues and found out where the gym was because you've been looking good for a long time. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you hit the gym, you just naturally fill out as you age. You know, it happens with everybody. <laughs> but the main thing that Church. I think I loved about Cherry, Cherry Grove when I first went there is that I love that it was like three in the afternoon and they were like grown men in drag just walking around like having frozen margaritas hang out with their friends. Right. <laughs> And that's what made me fall in love with the place, because this was like 1991, years before RuPaul's Drag Race, years before drag was everywhere, and it was like a novelty, and it was like sort of amazing that people were at the beach in drag just like doing impromptu shows, and I've loved drag ever since John Waters' films, and I just fell in love with Cherry Girl and Fire Island the first time I went there. That is awesome. When we talked a couple of years ago, I said I've never been there. I still have not been there, so I'm going to have to make it a mission to get out there one of these years. But uh, it's so much great stories and things that happen in there. But let's start out. I mean, the book's subtitle there is Through the Eyes of Its Worst Drag Queen. Let's uh, Livonia for a second. Um, I love a quote from her in the book. Let's let her speak for herself here. I am the spirit of New York City, a combination of Mary J. Blige, Evelyn Champagne King, Willie Ninja, Pepper LaBea, Dorothy's Bornack, and Mayor Ed Koch, along with Alicia of All Night Passions fame and D from What's Happening. You can feel me when you ride the G trains. You can smell me when you eat a hot dog at Gray's Papaya. And you can visit me on the deli counter at Seatown Supermarkets on the Lower East Side. So back up before I take this razor out of my mouth and cut you because I don't need no queen from Queens telling me that she will create me on Tired Island because I'm my own creation. How does someone like that come to life, my friend? She is a personality to be reckoned with. Livonia is kind of ridiculous and absurd and over the top and very New York. And uh, she sort of just like created herself to what she just said in that, (laughs) um, that speech over there. And in fact, I think she might be in the other room. Maybe I'll see if I can go grab her. Oh, that'd be great. Hold on one second. Hold on. Hey, baby, what's going on, Scott? It's Livonia here. Livonia. Oh, it's so glad to see you, darling. How are you? I am amazing. I love you sharing your stories for me um, of things you saw. Thanks for it. Did you share those with Greg, or how did he find out about some of these things? Well, Greg stalks me on social media, as many people do, and that's how a lot of these stories came to light, because after that was done, I would constantly be getting text messages like, Tell me about this, and what are you wearing, and where did you get that? And 
Who styled your hair? She's always trying to steal my beauty secrets. Well, you are such a style maven, Lavanya. I mean, where do you get these looks from? You are just classic. I get all of my looks at rainbow shops. Do you have rainbow shops in the Midwest? Don't have a rainbow shop. Share with me. What's, what's that all about? Rainbow shops is amazing fashion mecca where most outfits are at $19.99 or less. I love that. Well, you have had a what time of year it is, you can always find that. You've had a tour from coast to coast. Um, You're getting ready to do a Christmas special. Talk about how it was taking, hitting the road last year to San Francisco and New Orleans and everywhere. Well, we had a very good time with the Gender Fluids program. We debuted here in New York City, and I was under the impression it would only work her because a lot of the humor was very much New York and everything. But as it turned out, the crowds in San Francisco and Los Angeles really enjoyed the program. So I really enjoyed bringing it out there. But I also like to keep it real, and I don't bullshit people. I will tell you, when I did the show in New Orleans, it was a hot mess. There were like 25 people in the audience. And they were looking at me like I had 15 heads. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my goodness. What happened? What's wrong with the – did they just not come out for drag, or they just don't understand good, good performance when they see one? I've given it a lot of thought, and what I think is Los Angeles and San Francisco, they're very into pop culture, and a lot of my humor is pop culture-based. And I think the New Orleans people are more like – oh, we're radical fairies and we're going to drop acid and we're going to work at Starbucks twice a week and and we're just going to go and have fun and be fairies. They weren't as tuned in as the other crowds were with my humor and therefore just went right over their heads. I gotcha. Okay. Talk about some of your contemporaries, or I I can't can't say contemporary because some of them are old as dirt, but you talk about these great friends you've made, like Sherry out there and all these different – you have a 70-year-old or 76-year-old bartender that comes out and drags. What is it about these great personalities that speak to you out there in Fire Island? Well, I'll actually – I have to get going now because I work at Seatown, and I have a shift starting at 7 p.m., so I just called my lift. Let me get Gregory back on the line, Scott. I appreciate that. Thank you, Lavonia. Thanks for being on the show. Take care, love and light. Wishing you the best. Love you, hey, Mina. Scott. Hey, thanks for bringing her on. I'm sorry to take up too much of her time there. Um, you, how is that to live with? <laughs> she can be how do you find causes? really great. She's usually in the guest bathroom shaving her bunions most of the time, so I don't even see her that much. Oh, I love it. I love it. And uh, has any of her fashion sense rolled over to you, or who who learns from who in fashion? (laughs) Uh, I think we both have very distinct styles. I appreciate (laughs) her style, but I don't think either (laughs) inspire one another. Oh, I love it. I absolutely well, I was asking Lavonia, you talk in some of your essays there about some really iconic characters on Fire Island, from bartenders to drag queens. Um, talk about the, the flavor of the people you find in Fire Island. I find Fire Island, especially in Cherry Grove, a lot of the people that are attracted to Fire Island are very 
subversive, intelligent, fun-loving people that go there because they know it's going to be a place they'll find like-minded people. And they could let their freak flag fly and no one is going to judge them. Because there's a lot of people there that will just get dressed in drag or stage impromptu shows on the boardwalk when you least expect it. (laughs) And I really feel like that, for some reason, that area of Long Island attracts all these people. And that's what I love about it. That's amazing. And talk for a second about this 4th of July invasion thing that happens every year. That sounds absolutely incredible. Yes. So for the 4th of July, since 1976, Cherry Grove celebrates the 4th of July by having 200 or 250 men get dressed in drag, board a ferry, and have that ferry drive over to the Pines, and they invade the Pines and go to all the bars and all the restaurants in drag and torture people. It's something (laughs) that was created in 76 because one of the drag queens from Cherry Grove went to the Pines to have a drink and was refused entry by one of the bar owners for being in drag. So he went back to the Grove, told his friends, and they said, fuck that shit. They got themselves into a little boat, six of them, went back to the the pine, six of them burst into the middle of happy hour and everyone just found it hysterical. The guy realized he made a grave error and that was how the invasion started. I love that. I love how it starts in counterculture and works its way into a, a thing. That's kind of amazing. Um, exactly. That's about, why I love it so much. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit. I mean, you are so real on social media. Like I said, I'm a soccer and everything, and everything you do now in real life as well. I love the story about the marinated steak guy in the book and how it's kind of a parable now for those wanting to come hang out on Fire Island. Talk about what it's like now to be your own person um, 20 years into this. Uh, I'm not sure I fully understand. Well, I remember there was a story about how you were kind of passing before, and there was a guy with marinated steak that wanted to use the barbecue, and now you're not yeah. really – and <laughs> how you kind of came to pass that. But now, like on social media, I think you, you're really good about calling people out and living your own passion and truth like that. Tell me, has this happened organically just from yourself, or has it happened from times on Fire Island? Yeah, I guess I've always been the kind of person that is just kind of real and doesn't bullshit. So I don't have any time for like time wasters or people that are going to try and take advantage of me or do, or just not be good people because what do I care if you're in my life for? I I have a million really great friends and family members. So if someone's going to be a shitty person, they're going to find out about it from me. And And trust me, I have plenty of enemies of people that don't like what I've told them over the years based on their behavior. Uh, I love honesty. So that's a beautiful thing. Well, we're starting to fill up here at Panera, so I don't want to ruin you here. And I'm sorry that we have to do this here, but let's talk about sex for a second. Um, I've heard about the meat rack there. Obviously, there's gay boys and abs. Um, but talk about sex over the years there and post prep. I'm kind of interested to see what happens now that we're doing another sexual revolution here in the LGBT community. Talk about that aspect of Fire Island. Yeah, I, there's a few stories in my book. I kind of feel like three years ago was like the tipping point where all of my friends just started having a lot more sex than they always did. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's loads of sex on Fire Island all the time, 
But now everyone is just having raw sex with everybody, and it seems as though the stigma that has surrounded gay sex for so many years due to the fear of contracting HIV is really getting eradicated thanks to, like, PrEP and HIV meds that are making gay men undetectable and unable to pass the virus. And it's really prevalent on Fire Island because there's parties where people have sex in the back rooms. There's the meat rack where people hook up. And obviously, where you live as well, Grinder and Scruff and all the other apps that people use to hook up. And I just feel like there's a lot more sex happening now, and it's a lot more sex-positive type encounters because people don't have this fear that created shady behavior in the past because they were ashamed to talk about their sex lives because they didn't want to tell their friends how much they were having. I love that we're able to talk about it, like you said, because it it did have such a shameful past for a while and everything was taboo and everyone was so scared. But now that we're starting to open up again, I think we're really having another sexual revolution, but in a positive way, like you said. And uh, it's just interesting to see how it happens in different cultures. Talk about um, what's a two-minute Wikipedia version of fitting in at Fire Island? People that haven't been there before, what should they expect? And uh, what's the do's and don'ts of Fire Island? I would say in Fire Island, it's a beach community. It's a beach town. So you should definitely expect to be on a gorgeous beach with beautiful sunsets and sunrises. But you could also create any kind of experience you want there. If you want to go there and relax on the beach and, like, grill up dinner and go to bed at 9 o'clock, and you can have an amazing vacation that way. But if you want to go there and party till the sun comes up and sleep with a different man or two or three every single day and night, you could have that experience (laughs) as well. But the one thing that makes Fire Island unique is that you take a ferry to get there, and there's no cars, there's no bicycles, and you just really feel removed, and you're, like, enmeshed in nature. There's, like, deer everywhere, and there's rabbits. It's really beautiful and magical. I love that. Makes me want to go every time I talk to you, and I have to get myself out there. Let everyone know where they can find the book. We said it's already snuck out on Amazon, and when they can be able to find the ebook. Yeah, so both the ebook and the paperback are on Amazon. And when the ebook comes out on March 1st, I believe I did my release through Amazon. So this is the first time I've ever self published anything because I've used publishers in the past. And I believe they'll expand it to other outlets, like, I don't know, Barnes and Noble or whatever. But for now, I'm just directing everyone to Amazon because most people use it and that's where it's most readily available. Nice. Congratulations, my friend. I'm so excited to talk to you again. I loved every single story in the book. It's a great read. Let everyone know where they can find your website and your social media as well. Yeah, sure. Basically everywhere all over the internet, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, no MySpace anymore. I think I finally deleted that one. <laughs> and my website is gregscarnici.com, and that's S-C-A-R. N-I-C-I. And from gregscarnici.com, you can connect to me to, on any outlet you want, Twitter, Mixcloud. I have a lot of my music up on SoundCloud. So whatever people's interest is, hopefully they can find me there. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming on the show, my friends. Stay on the line here. We're going to play out with a little, another Blair St. Clair song, Call My Life. You're listening to the Left of Straight Show. Big thanks to my guest here, Greg Scarnici. Be sure to get this book. You're going to love Every second of it. We're back in just a couple of minutes to wrap up the show, guys. (laughs) 
every day is a busy tone, and I hear it, cause it's calling by your voice, unknown, gotta filter, it's all for show, you believe it, but you never really know, I know, and you're never gonna I lose, I find I hide. 